Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Let's get it. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying and it's gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Four runs. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Trubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears. Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. The market it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage, he came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, no. Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Hit me up on Instagram, IGJHood, as well as on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, it's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, J.R. Bang from First Black Champ Podcast. He's going to be with us. He's a host for professional wrestling on his own podcast. We'll get his thoughts and uh, talk about AEW versus NXT or the WWE. There's a lot of letters in professional wrestling, and they're all coming to the forefront this fall. We'll talk about the movement that's happening in professional wrestling with Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday at the bottom of the hour here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's talk some college football with a friend of the program, Charles Arbuckle. Uh, the UCLA Bruin joins us here, as you can find his podcast as well. Does a great job breaking down um, college football in his podcast. Charles Arbuckle joins us, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Buck, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, tell me, what, what stands out? Or what intrigues you the most about this upcoming college football season? You know, I, I, it used to be the unknown, but I think we've got a lot of knowns. The unknown for me is Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. I'm really intrigued by that. Ohio State, when I look at Justin Fields, what kind of transition will he make? And, you know, really and truly, if you look around the landscape of college football, there are a lot of quarterback positions that are – Big Ten had quite a few of them, but a lot of them are – we've got some uncertainty. Is Hunter Johnson the guy that can make a big impact at Northwestern? You know, will Justin Herbert finally become the breakout star that everybody kind of has aligned him to be? You know, those are those are some things that I'm really looking forward to, along with the knowns of, you know, can Clemson stay at the top of the heap now that Alabama's chance to knock them off? And they've been going back and forth the last couple of years. You know, will somebody out of the Pac-12 finally step up and play and challenge for the college football playoff? You know, all those kind of factors I look, you know, when the season starts because it's always interesting. Usually there's five teams or, or six maybe that you know or teams coming back from last year, but who can be that team that we didn't talk about before the season that steps up and really plays well during the season? Charles, uh, um, so whose seat is hotter, in your view, in college football coaching? Is it Clay Helton at USC or Gus Malzahn at Auburn? Um. I think Clay has an inferno underneath him right now. <laughs> but, 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 it, but it's interesting only because I know the dynamic there. 
Gus seems to be like a cat that has nine lives, right? Every time Gus is all he's gone, he's gone. Clay was the guy that we thought USC, and even being a Bruin, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Clay Helton, but SC needed a guy like that at the time. I think now, what are they going to do next? Lance Swan's got some heat on him. He's talking about challenging for the college football playoff. When you put those words out there, there's a lot of heat on him, so it has to come downhill. What does the ish rolls downhill, and it seems to be rolling <laughs> right over Clay Helton. <laughs> and if, if that seat can can be any hotter, I don't know if he could sit on it. And and that's going to be interesting to watch because I've never known USC to want to run an air raid system, and I know it won't be the air raid of Mike Leach. But that to me was just one of those that's saying we got to do something quick and we got to do it now. And I think that's interesting because you know USC is the beacon on the West Coast usually for college football, even when we knock them off. People still talk about USC. It's a crucial year, not only for USC, but I think the Pac-12 South. Utah has been in contention the last few years. I love Utah. I love what Kyle Whittingham does. But if you watch their team, they are beat up by the end of the season. How does Kyle pull himself back from that so he can be in contention to play? Will Herm Edwards throw some you know, salt in that wrench with USC and with Utah? Uh, UCLA has to stay healthy on the offensive line, but man, to answer your question succinctly, yeah, it's Clay Helton, definitely. Pro and uh, college football analyst Charles Arbuckle with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as we get ready for college football. And don't forget the Buck Stops Here podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, check out Buck and his thoughts uh, on the football and other matters. I, I, let me keep it with the Pac-12, Buck, because I thought that the conference that you represented for so long with the Bruins, I thought was um, down and disappointing. And, and that's not just football, it's basketball too. And I think Commissioner yeah. Scott's got some, some ways to go here because it, you mentioned some bright spots because I think watching Herm's team, watching Leach's team, uh, USC, UCLA always intriguing. It, it was not the kind of brand of football I'm used to seeing in the Pac-12. I want to see something competitive. How how can it yeah, turn around? I, do you do you foresee a turnaround here? Well, I, I think what you have is you know like the ACC. People are talking about it's a perception of it being down, but you can't really say that because you have Clemson in that league, right? Mm-hmm. I think over the last few years in the Pac-12, there's been no team. Stanford has started that climb. And then they started to regress a little bit when you lose talent like the McCaffreys of the world or some and Bryce Love isn't healthy for a year. Quarterback play is a little unstable. I think Washington is the team that I'm most intrigued by. Oregon is getting the most publicity. And if you think about the Pac-12, it's been hard for the South to really have any dominance. Since that conference has been split between the North and the South, the North has dominated, whether it's been Oregon, whether it's been Washington, whether it's been some other teams, you know, looking for that. So I think when you when you think about it, you have to say, how can one team out of that conference win, lose only one game, play well in the non-conference part of the schedule, and then be battling late in the year and not go, prime example, Washington go out to Arizona State like they do uh, and, and lose a game there. Or I'm just using examples, and I'm not saying that's happening this year, but when Oregon State, beats a USC when USC is dominant. They can't have that. And that's the problem sometimes when you look at a conference like the, the Pac-12 with the disparity of how you have to travel and all of those things, but also playing non-conference games where when you're in the SEC and the ACC, you choose eight, which I think is wise. 
But if you're going to play nine games, you better find somebody in that conference, whether it's Washington, Oregon, whether it's Utah or USC, if people think they're going to be worthy, or anybody from the South, to win as many games as you can, play well in the non-conference, and then finish off the year strong. Because if you don't, and you have a lot of teams that are at parity, whether you won nine, eight, a few ten, it doesn't look well for the conference because they're not in contention for anything late in the year. And they can't have another year like they did a few years ago where they were awful in bowl season. That doesn't help you either. So I think those are some of the things, as I look at the conference, how are you competitive? When I played in the conference and when the conference has been strong, even after I left, it was due to the fact that they would go play outside the conference and they would win some of those tough matchups, whether they went to Tennessee, Nebraska, you know, and you can pick a team and they would go and be competitive. Even Oregon, who lost to Cam Newton and that Auburn team, they were still competitive in that game. Auburn won by a field goal, but everybody has a perception of they dominated them. That defensive line for Auburn was outstanding that year. But that was a prime example. You get close, but you can't win. Oregon in the first college football playoff getting blown out by Ohio State in the second half. You can't have those kind of things, whether it's early in the season or late in the season, when your conference, as some people, put you at anywhere from uh, four to five and some people at, at the number three spot. So if I gave you uh, Michigan or the field in the Big Ten, which one would you take, Buck? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I want to take Michigan, Jonathan, but I'm. I gotta see it. I <laughs> yeah. gotta see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ohio State—they can play like crap against everybody else on defense sometimes, and then figure out a way to beat Michigan. Until Michigan can show me that they can get over that Ohio State hump, I'd have to go the field a little bit that way because I still buy in that Ohio State. I think their defense is going to be a lot better. I think J.K. Dobbins will have a breakout year, but. With that said, I still think Michigan this year is primed to beat Ohio State, but I have to see it. Um, I, and I know a lot of people are enamored with Nebraska. I love Scott Frost, and they were great down the stretch. Not sure. I think Wisconsin will be better. Uh, but as I look around the league, I can't expect Michigan State to be as bad as they were last year. So I'm going to go the field. There's some teams out of there that, that I think will give Michigan some trouble. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope Michigan, for their sake, is in a position where they, they beat Ohio State and they're playing for uh, more than just the, the Big Ten championship. Buck, let me tell you, without Urban Meyer, who's taking a year off to coach either UCLA or USC next year, um, with, <laughs> with Urban Meyer out of <laughs> Ohio State, right? Man, yep. if, if Harbaugh still can't get it done with Ryan Day on the – this is no shot at Coach Day because it's, it's, it's still a great program. Day's just coaching it. If Michigan can't, can't get over the hump in that Michigan-Ohio State game, there's going to be hell to pay. I'm just telling you, in, well, in Arbor. It's hey, going to be bad. I'm going to go the opposite way. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if uh, Lincoln Riley would do what he did at, Ohio, at Oklahoma, right? Right. That's what he's been able to do. And I think Ryan Day is in a little bit better position because he had three games under his belt and he kept some of that same staff. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, that, I'm giving Jim some credit, but you're right. If if it's a blowout like it had, like it was last year, ooh, <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel too comfortable with that. Jim Harbaugh will be thinking Mike Dick is breathing down his neck like he was when he played for him as opposed to now that they can talk on the same level. Ooh, that would be awful for them. Yeah. It'd be really bad. 
I'm I'm just wondering. You mentioned uh, Northwestern earlier, and I think that they're very intriguing. And they're intriguing every year because yeah. slow slow start last year. They were able to get to where they want to be on top. There, I'm looking at them in Nebraska. I want to find out how do you look at those two teams. It's Coach Fitzgerald, so you expect a good season. But Nebraska, slow start, but was able to salvage the season. How do you look at those two teams? Well, I like Adrian Martinez a lot, and I think offensively, the weapons that he'll have coming back for him will be good. Um, the one thing with with me is, though, you know, you finish the year strong if you're Nebraska. How do you come back and do that again? How do you emulate that for the whole season? And the other thing with Nebraska was it was it smoke and mirror because they were 94th in the in the in the nation in defense. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And that's the part for me when I think of a Nebraska team, having played them a couple of years in college, having watched them growing up, having been recruited by them, I knew one thing about Nebraska. They were going to pop you in the mouth and they were going to play tough defense. And until I see that consistently, I'm not sure with Nebraska. I think the thing with Northwestern, as I switch over, who's going to be their quarterback? I mean, it sounds like they're still not 100% sure, but I think with Northwestern, every time there's everybody looks everywhere else, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Penn State, we got a team like Northwestern that just comes and finds a way to win the Big Ten championship. It's mm-hmm. crazy how they do it, but they play so hard and they play so well for Fitz that I wouldn't be shocked this year if it was one of those years we're talking about Northwestern again. Now, Patty Fisher is one of the best guys in the country. I'm really looking forward to watching him play. You know, I always wish these guys much success and much help. I think on the on the in the run game side, Isaiah Bowser should have a big year with the new quarterback in Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson was a five-star guy coming out. If he wins that job, which it seems like he will, that team could be poised for some offensive firepower where they were not good at all last year, and especially in the run game. So they have to improve that. The O-line looks like they've got some guys coming back there. They're a little light on the O-line with only two returning starters. But I think Northwestern is one of those teams, a lot of smart dudes, a lot of dudes that that play hard, and if they can play fast and make some plays on the outside and and play well in the run game, that's the Northwestern teams that we've seen that have gotten to the Rose Bowl and and played well in their years past when they've been physical on defense and can have some explosive plays on offense, not just in the pass game but in the run game. And that would be interesting to watch them this year. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, but but for Nebraska, it looks it looks decent early, Buck. Well, you bring up a good point. My concern with Northwestern alone is their schedule because they got to go to Stanford, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. Yeah, and Michigan State is going to be a much better team. They should be UNLV. But if you look at that early part of the schedule, they could have one win. And if they if all those other teams are playing well, the only by the time they get to Ohio State and Iowa at home. They could have some L's early in the year on on their Big Ten ledger. So I, I think, to your point, they have to come out fast. And I don't know if we've ever really seen Northwestern be a fast-starting team. I just don't know that to be true. But I do know I like, I like the makeup of, of what Fitz has there, and I think uh, they're going to fight you. That's one of those teams. It was like Stanford back in our day when we played. They're a much, much different team now, but it was always – guys that you knew were going to hit you. They may not be the most uh, physically gifted, but, boy, they played hard. And by the end of the game, you knew you were in a dogfight. And I think with Nebraska, getting back to their roots, again, you have to play good defense. 
And that's one of the things I want to see early on as they travel to Colorado, who's not supposed to be great, but Colorado has a few guys on offense that can make some plays. And if you don't play well, uh, you can get you can get get an L early up in Boulder, and that's what Nebraska has to guard against. And that's that old remember that old matchup in the Big Eight. <laughs> I, oh yeah. I, I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see those teams play out of in non-conference every year because I used to love watching Colorado and Nebraska back in the day. Absolutely. Uh, give me something, Bucky. I know you got something on the Miak and Swack this year. You have you heard something? <laughs> you got you got some news for us. You got some barbecue I, for us. I, I don't have any news on it yet. I, I actually have to go uh, make make some of my trips to the Miak schools uh, these upcoming weeks. I'll usually get out there and see. I know Ant is not going to have. They're not going to slouch. They've <laughs> they've been playing some good ball, and and, and you know with the Swack, I've had the good fortune the last few years doing the Bayou Classic. So I usually gear up around October if I have the Bayou Classic, which I hope to have again this year because it's, it's so – I mean, that, I love that thing. I love going. I love the food. The people are into it. If you've never been to a Bayou Classic game, I'll just take put it on your bucket list, go to New Orleans, take in the New Orleans flavor and culture, but go get, listen to the battle of the bands, go do all of that because it's just, it's, just, it's just great. It is uh, outstanding. Yeah, your name your name came up in conversation. I guess it was me bringing up your name a few weeks ago. I said, you know, you know, Buck's going to put that money together to get uh, the Miakra Swack on TV One or on, on BET every week because I, I said he's a big proponent of it. So he'll get some some financial backing to make sure that that gets on TV, so we don't have to watch it on tape delay. Well, you know what I'll do, Jay Walker, my, my buddy from ESPN. We we used to do you know Mac and Swag games, Swag games back in the day. Uh, Miak and Swag, uh, Swag, excuse me. And he mm-hmm. was you know went to Howard, so he has a lot of history with the conference. And every time we get together, we start reminiscing not only about old stuff but new stuff. And there's some really talented players, and I think you're starting to see that. And, and every time, every year, you get the where did Tariq Cohen come from? Oh, we were talking about him in September when mm-hmm. he was the you know the human highlight joystick, and all these guys that are just coming after that. So I, I keep an eye on it, man, because the the, the 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 scouts know where to find talent, and if you can play, they'll find you. And there's been some great guys coming out of those leagues. Buck, it's going to be a great college football season because there's a lot of question marks here. I know every, it, you know everything surrounds Clemson. Went, you know, seeing if they can win the national title again, but I think there's other stories uh, that I'm looking forward to as well. I saw the, you know, this poll is way too premature, but I saw Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and um, Oklahoma as the top four. You could throw Ohio State as as a, a fifth in there. I think it's going to be very intriguing at the top. I think so, too. I think so, too. And like I said, the quarterback position, you know, you know Clemson and Alabama have that and Jake Fromm coming back to Georgia. But when you have a little bit of uncertainty like Ohio State at that position and then Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts, even though he has been in the mix and, what, 26-2 as a starter, there's still some, you know, how does he job with his new team? And so that's what's going to be interesting about that. And is there a team that we're not talking about that comes on the scene uh, and you know, in October, we're like, man, where'd they come from? Well, they were there. They just they kind of crept up on us while we're talking about always those top five or six teams. Buck, as always, I appreciate it, and I uh, hope to talk to you in season because it's going to be fun. Okay, man. Thank you. 
Charles Arbuckle with us. Don't forget the Buck Stops Here podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, check that out. Our, our college and our pro football expert with us here. We got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right around the corner. We'll get to that coming up next. Jonathan Hood. <laughs> ESPN 1000. Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. Welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. Right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. You can download the podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts. Tune in wherever you download your podcast. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and tell somebody that Jonathan Hood talks wrestling every Tuesday at 9.30 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And don't forget our YouTube page as well, youtube.com under the same name, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Well, we're going to hear from J.R. Bang, who is a wrestling podcaster, first black champ. Find that on SoundCloud or wherever you download your podcast as well. J.R. Bang, his first time on the program. We'll get his thoughts on some of the storylines around professional wrestling. But let's start here. Let's start off and talk about the WWE. The WWE has struck a deal to move its NXT franchise, focusing on some of the rising stars, to the USA Network starting next month. This is something that you and I probably knew as wrestling fans that the NXT brand would be moving to Wednesday nights, and it is. NXT is going to shift to the USA Network from the WWE Network subscriptions streaming service as of September 18th. September 18th. That's right around the corner. And this deal comes because the USA is going to lose WWE SmackDown to Fox in October. So now here comes NXT, a show that's been on for a long time on the WWE Network, and now it's on the USA Network. And the reason why that is interesting is because, well, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, is starting on October 2nd on TNT. And what also is interesting about this is that NXT and what we're seeing here with AEW, they will be on against one another. At the same time, at 7 o'clock Central Time, which is just amazing. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the Wednesday Night Wars has started in professional wrestling. But it was NXT that said, you know, we've got to be able to do something to take on AEW, and they are. And so NXT has a little bit of a head start on AEW, but here's why it's happening. It's happening because the WWE is concerned about All Elite Wrestling. If, if you've been reading some of the websites and the dirt sheets about some of the information on All Elite Wrestling, not only is it sold out here in Chicago when they come here for their event on the 31st of August, but when they start on TNT, they have already 
sold out their spots in other cities across the country on the East Coast. It is uh, fast, it's swift, but they continue to sell out their shows. And again, it's just a few so far off the top here throughout the month of October, but it is a concern for the WWE that AEW, that has not even officially started yet as far as their weekly television shows they're going to have on Wednesday nights, already the WWE said, nope, nope, we're going to make sure that we cut this off before it even gets started. They don't want to make the same mistake that they did on, during the Monday Night Wars. During the Monday Night Wars, it was the WWE, and they thought that they were the best and no one else could be able to go up against them. Then all of a sudden, Ted Turner told Eric Bischoff, how about two hours on TNT to take on Raw? And and history goes from there. It went from Raw versus Nitro to Thunder versus SmackDown. And you saw back in the, even in the 80s, before it was WCW, it was Ted Turner in the NWA, uh, there was this combination going back and forth of, well, if the WWE runs their pay-per-view, we're going to run our Clash of Champions. That was during Jim Crocker promotions. And so even going back to the 80s, all the way to where we are right now, there's been an organization that's trying to take on the WWE, and this is what's happening right now. Uh, some thoughts now from Triple H. He was uh, had a chance to talk to uh, WWE.com about NXT making its move from the WWE Network, and now it's on the USA Network, and it's going to debut in September, September 18th. Here's some thoughts here from Triple H. Hunter, big news coming out today about NXT and going live on Wednesdays. I want to take you back to May 2012, the very first episode taped at Full Sail. Can you kind of describe these last seven years and what it took to get up to this point? Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy journey of something that I don't think most people thought would ever happen, but this was kind of the vision of it. Um, you know, from starting out uh, with a partnership with Full Sail University and having to bring in main roster stars to get us to be able to have enough people to put the show on uh, each week to where they got to the point where they didn't want to see those main roster stars anymore to where we stopped calling it main roster uh, because NXT was was just you know, becoming white hot when we didn't even have a distribution home for it. You know, it was seen internationally here in the U.S. It was just in clips. Um, We were the first live show on the WWE Network. NXT Arrival um, was the very first sort of takeover that we did, and it was of the network. It was so something live could go on the network. So very first live product seen on the WWE Network. A year after that, we were selling out not just Full Sail University, but selling out the Barclays Center for takeovers. Um, over that journey, selling out all over the globe, selling out live events all over the globe, takeover after takeover after takeover, and now the opportunity to go on the number one uh, network in cable television, USA Network, our partners, and uh, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more proud. I said it in the beginning, this was going to be their brand. That's why we hashtagged it, We Are NXT. You know, as good as NXT is now, it's only going to get better. This this is going to expose a whole new uh, side of NXT that people haven't been able to, to see yet. I can tell you this about it. As excited as everybody is about this moment, this is the start. This isn't the destination. This is the start. This brand is just getting started. Um, so I look forward to that day. I look forward to going live, and I look forward to showing the world we are NXT. So the thoughts there from Triple H talking about how NXT is moving 
to the USA Network. We're talking about it right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app and, of course, the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Um, so this is interesting because NXT is run by Triple H. This is his baby. And it was a one-hour format for a long time outside of the TakeOver special events. Uh, the reason why that I really enjoy this NXT uh, broadcast over the years, that NXT and NXT UK, is because it's run by Triple H. And because what he is trying to provide is professional wrestling. Vince McMahon is trying to show sports entertainment and trying to show uh, the Flash and trying to show bad comedy and skits. This is something that's been a hallmark of Vince McMahon for a long time. And he runs wrestling a lot differently than Triple H. I think it's very clear. When you watch NXT programming and when you watch WWE programming as far as Raw and SmackDown and other events, it's it's more or less... Uh, there's wrestling, but there is a lot of comedy and things that are tailored toward the senses of one man, Vince McMahon. His comedic senses, his brashness, there's a lot of things there that I think has turned off some audiences. But when you watch NXT, you could see just how wrestling was even in the 80s and some of the 90s. Going back to the 70s, actually, because of how wrestlers would just take on one another. No backstory. You know the story. Now get in the ring and tell a story. And so I really have supported Triple H, and I think many have for a long time, because many just want to be able to see wrestling in the ring, and you get that with NXT. And so now this goes from a one-hour to a two-hour format. And as someone that watches NXT that's supported the program, now that it goes from a one-hour to two-hour program, it makes me wonder how the roster will be utilized. I think that the roster is good. I think that there's still a lot of young uh, wrestlers, women, and men on that roster that may not be ready for a two-hour format because it is some of them are still learning and some of them are still very interesting to watch. I would suggest that along with some of the young wrestlers on that roster that you infuse uh, a Zack Ryder, a Brian Kendrick, a Rusev. Some of these wrestlers are not even used on Raw or SmackDown unless they're on the road, and some of them are off television unless they're chasing for the uh, 24-7 title. I don't know why we can't see Robert Roode back in this new NXT. I don't know why we can't see Leo Rush or Heath Slater or the Colognes. There's no reason why that some of these wrestlers that just sit in catering on Mondays and Tuesday nights don't get a chance to be able to be a part of NXT. That maybe not everyone I just mentioned, but they're in, you know, Curtis Axel. Where, where has he been? I think that what you saw even just recently by seeing the, what used to be called the fashion police, I guess, those two, um, to see Tyler Breeze out there, uh, it just, it just gave him new life in the company. For him to be not even on television and come to NXT, people are rooting for him because they know how good he is. And there's a lot of talent wrestlers that don't even get a chance to wrestle. You have three hours on Monday. You have two hours on Tuesday with SmackDown. You have all these other programs, and they don't get a chance to get on television. So NXT, I think, could use some veteran leadership in that locker room along with the young people, not necessarily to take over, not necessarily to take over some of the, the storylines of NXT, but it's good to be able to utilize some of these wrestlers that are not utilized, and I think that they'll be appreciated in at NXT. The other thing I'm wondering about, and I guess we're going to find out in very short order, is, is this NXT live show every Wednesday night. Will this be... Uh, emanating from the full sale arena, because that's one of the reasons why that even works. 
people enjoy NXT because of that small arena. Again, it reminds you of the territory days, darkened arena, about three, 400 seats, and people are into it because it's professional wrestling. It's storylines you can follow. This isn't bad comedy. Uh, I would imagine that those shows would take place at full sale. The last thing that you want is like, like ECW 2.0. You don't want Vince McMahon's hands on this new NXT, but you know he's going to be around. And if Vince McMahon has something to say and has full autonomy over this new NXT product on Wednesdays, it's going to be a problem. Triple H has done a great job with this because he's showing you wrestling. The hope is that Vince oversees it, but not necessarily puts his full stamp on everything that's in the ring because wrestling rules on NXT platforms, UK uh, as well as just the uh, regular NXT that I, I watch a lot as well. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000. Also the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Glad to have you in today. And uh, so I'm looking forward to both brands because here we are, the Wednesday Night Wars, right? And AEW has their, their roster as well uh, with Chris Jericho as the face of it, with Chris Daniels, with um, Angelico, with Adam Page, and of course, the American Nightmare Cody. Cody Rhodes is there. Dustin is part of that company. Also, Darby Allen and Frankie Kazarian. There's some names on both sides from NXT standpoint and AEW standpoint where maybe the um, casual wrestling fan doesn't know some of these all elite wrestlers or some of these NXT wrestlers. This is why it's exciting because there's some veteran names that you'll see on both sides, AEW and NXT. And it's interesting because we're going to find out who's going to win this thing. NXT has already had momentum over the years and all elite wrestling is new. So who's going to win this thing? It's a lot of talent on both sides, young and veteran on both rosters. Wednesday night wars are here. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, something else before we hear from JR bang. And that is, um, old school, versus new school it has reared its head again the other day i'm online looking through some news and notes for my talk show and i look at twitter and i see that jim Cornette is trending and i said why is jim Cornette trending it's because jim Cornette, if you follow him on twitter jim Cornette, the longtime manager of the Midnight Express, the former owner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, using the WWE, manages Yokozuna. He's been in wrestling for a long, long time. And he's an old school wrestling fan first and someone that appreciates the business, but he doesn't appreciate nonsense. And I saw, why is Jim Cornette trying to... So I'm going through the timeline and Jim Cornette is playing his heel role on Twitter and people are just up in arms. How can you call this woman a butterface? Jordan Grace, whatever her name is. How could this happen? How are you calling these people out? Here's, here's what's funny about wrestling, the internet wrestling community and old school wrestling fans. I consider myself an old school wrestling fan. And I've been watching wrestling since the late 70s. And I understand that there is a such thing as a heel persona. Now, I know in 2019, where there are no real heels anymore, I think there's only a few that you could consider saying, hey, you know, that guy, really, his persona is real. Like, you could say MJF, for the most part, is a heel. Every time you see him in an interview, every time you see a video of him, he's being a heel. And 
that's great because that's how wrestling was in the past, where there was a defining line, a line of de- demarcation. Here's a bad guy. Here's a good guy, right? Well, I know in 2019, some fans, especially new fans, look at wrestling as performance art. Like, oh, I, I love this flip move, and I love they're able to do this. Because wrestling fans, when I go to wrestling events, they're not necessarily looking at the action. They're looking at uh, the moves and whether or not they have their star, star system in place. Five stars, six stars, seven stars. And it's like, well, you know, it's not really... You know, again, you have a right to look at wrestling the way you want to. It doesn't mean that someone else's uh, view of wrestling is wrong. So Jim Cornette is just going back and forth and trolling these fans... Here is the thing that resonates with me the most with this, right? So Jim Cornette, for the most part in his career, was a heel. And wrestling fans, some wrestling fans, especially younger wrestling fans, don't understand why Jim is going after fans and saying these things and cutting people down on Twitter. When trolls actually do that, trolls actually cut down people on Twitter. But when Jim does it, it's wrong. When the internet wrestling community does it, then they're standing up for Jordan Grace or they're standing up for uh, today's wrestlers. It's just kind of like, what? what? I mean, are we really arguing, arguing over wrestling? Are we really arguing over old school versus new school when it comes to wrestling? Like, why? I was talking to somebody on Twitter about this um, just the other day. And... I said, you know, Jim is really trolling everybody, right? I mean, he may believe what he says, but he's just trying to do what he can to just just rile up the internet wrestling community because he's naturally a heel. And it's almost like that that is just lost on today's wrestling fan, that they don't understand, like, when Jim is just saying things that are witty and, and cutting down people, especially, and usually it just is based on um, Jim just responding to these people on Twitter, it's just amazing. I, I mentioned on Twitter, I said the top trend is Jim Cornette. I mentioned this at Wrestling TWT on Twitter. The, the top trend is Jim Cornette. Trolls, trolls, and the trolls are mad. I mean, Jim Cornette trolls, and then the trolls are mad. You know, uh, imagine if the trolls in wrestling took their craft this seriously. For those that take pro wrestling with a wink, you know what he's doing. And and some are looking at wrestling not so seriously, but they take Jim Cornette seriously. Isn't that a problem? Think about that for a second. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> this guy from Parts Parts Unknown on Twitter says, you obviously haven't heard him over the years. It, yeah, of course I have. I listen to his podcast. Yeah, my, my point was is that Jim is trolling these people that don't take wrestling seriously, but they take him seriously. And ultimately, Jim is saying, that's the business. You're supposed to take these characters, these wrestlers seriously. You're supposed to take what you see in the ring seriously. You know, he's actually getting heat, which is lost on today's wrestling fan, that that you can actually seriously hate someone. That's the whole point of what Jim Cornette is doing. And it's lost on today's wrestling fan. It's pretty funny. I think it's hilarious. Because... Jim is doing this to try to rile up wrestling fans that don't take the business seriously, but they take him seriously. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's funny, man. I just, I, I look at this and I just like, Oh my God, it's so funny. It's just amazing. 
Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Joining us now, Chicago Zone J.R. Bang from the first Black Champ podcast, Chicago Zone J.R. Bang. He works with Cam Quotes. They do a great podcast breaking down professional wrestling, a lot of stories about professional wrestling they talk about. You can find that wherever you download your podcast. It's the first Black Champ podcast, and the host of that show, J.R. Bang, joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Bang, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Man, thank you. This is an honor. This is a pleasure. Of course, you're like a mentor to me, and um, I'm always excited to talk wrestling. I got to get your thoughts as someone that's hosting this show about uh, what we're seeing here. Ultimately, let's just bring it down and boil it down to what it is. It's Triple H versus Cody Rhodes. That's what's happening now on Wednesday night. It's the NXTs and moving now to the USA Network and AEW starting up in October, led by Cody Rhodes. What was your initial reaction to the NXT news that came across uh, just a day ago? Honestly, I hate it. I don't think we need a a Monday Night Wars part two. When Wednesday Night Wars don't even sound right. Okay, <laughs> like Wednesday is hump day. Let's leave it at that. But I I was excited to see wrestling every day. Um, so Monday Night Raw, um, or and I know the original rumors for AEW was Tuesday. So I was thinking Monday Night Raw, Tuesday AEW, Wednesday NXT. Thursday, whatever I can find, uh, maybe NXT UK, and then Friday night SmackDown. So I'm I'm probably one of the few people that that's not excited about having a war because I think with the amount of content that we have with wrestling now, we don't need it. I was mentioning this earlier, Bang, that clearly Vince McMahon does not want to go back to 20-plus years ago and, and just take WCW for granted because when Money Nitro came on, Vince was just like, okay, bring it on. Let's see what happens. And you saw that for 83 weeks, WCW just overtook the WWF, and, and it was uh, not good for Vince. He didn't know if he was going to have to shut down the company. It was that close as far as his uh, financial situation. So I'm just thinking that... Vince looks at this and says, okay, I'm going to put my third best brand out there to make sure that we cut off AEW. If AEW wasn't selling out across some of these platforms, some of these cities, um, man, I, I don't think there would be a Wednesday Night War. But I, I think it's the amount of money that they've already made, the sellouts. I think that that's probably why we see NXT against AEW now. Which is all true points. Um, but what I would say is is that when WCW and WWF slash well WWF really WF. was going back and forth, yeah, it, it was one of it was some of the most profitable times in the business. I don't necessarily think it was profitable because they were going back and forth with each other. It was just good programming all the way around. So I think with AEW um, being profitable they are and being able to put on the shows at the rate the amount um and the quality that they are doing i think for the business it's it's nothing but good to have a true second company um i mean them going up against nxt don't make them anything less like it doesn't make them um like a true a true true second like a, w, a wcw at the time but it doesn't make them impact or ROH either. So it puts them in a prime position. But I also believe if AEW is successful after, let's just say, because we're thinking long haul here, 
we give them two or three years, I think this will be a big benefit for the business, which is why we don't necessarily need competition right now. You know what's interesting about this, Bang, is that this is so different with AEW and NXT, and here's why. There are probably just diehard WWE fans who just watch Raw and SmackDown and don't even watch NXT because they either don't have the network or they don't have time to invest in it. So when when this rolls out on the USA Network, there's going to be a number of people that are going to be like, Who, "Who's Kona Reeves? You know, uh, who's yeah. who's who's Danny Birch? Who's Mia Yim? I don't I don't know these people." And then on the other side on TNT, there's going to be a lot of people that will be like, "I don't know who the librarian Peter Avalon is. Like, I don't know what is Private Party. What what is Sunny Kiss? Who's Allie?" So it, it, it'll be interesting on both sides, USA and TNT, when they're head up against each other. And there's going to be some veterans, but there's going to be a lot of young wrestlers on both sides where fans were, that like, you know, the casual wrestling fan are going to say, I don't know who these people are. So I got to invest one way or the other, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, for first on First Black Champ, me and Cam quotes, we try to discuss more than the WWE. Um, we, we do talk about, um, you know, NXT and some of the other companies. But some of our listeners, when you even say who's, who, like, Double Team Dream, they're like, yo, who is that? And he's mm-hmm. the North American champion. They might say who's Adam Cole. Um, they don't know who that is. They don't, they don't know who Adam Cole is. But if you say the Rhodes name, they know who Cody Rhodes is. So I think from that standpoint, having a Cody Rose or John Moxley, um, well, they'll still be kind of confused if he's John Moxley or Dean Ambrose. But um, they at least know who the Rose name is. They know who Cody's name is, and and at least for that bit of name recognition, it'd be good for AEW. But I know one of the things that I used to love as a wrestling fan was not just to watch WWE slash S or watch WCW. I was one of the few black kids I know in the hood on the west side of Chicago watching Lucha Libre. I'm watching Triple I'm watching C Mill and Triple A. I one of my favorite moments is watching Eddie Guerrero and um Art Barr and looking at them like, yo, this tag team right here is one of the greatest tag teams I've ever seen. And then being able to watch Win Worlds Collide for the free. Um, and it's still one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Um, so I was able to see Eddie Guerrero before WCW. I, I was able to see Art Bard before he passed. I was able to see Conan before the boom. And Pero Aguayo and other wrestlers. But I will also look and find like obscure wrestling associations and and go back to school and be like, yo, I just saw Cowboy Bob Orton and the homies like, wait a minute, who? So if you're a wrestling <laughs> fan like me, it'll still be an exciting time because you're going to be able to see wrestlers that you didn't know. You're going to be able to learn and grow with some of these other um, people in NXT and in AEW. I mean AEW. First Black Champ Podcast, J.R. Bang is our guest here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Podcast. Um, could, could you tell everybody, because you've been talking about this on this sh- on this podcast for a long time, about Kofi Kingston. What is it that we don't understand as wrestling fans about the title reign for Kofi Kingston? I think Kofi Kingston's title reign is similar to Bret Hart's in, what, 1992, where we are still just trying to figure it out. Like, from for the black wrestling fan, you're just happy that a black person is the champ. Right. But 
I believe that this championship reign is similar to Bret Hart's, where he was the champ, but you had, you know, um, Ric Flair and Macho Man that was bigger. You had, um, I mean, Hulk Hogan was gone at the time. Um, so it was Ric Flair, um, Mr. Perfect, and Ray Ramon who was growing in his um, in his character, going up against Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior, which turned into Mr. Perfect. Um, but that was the main event of um, Survivor Series when when they switched when when I think the Ultimate Warrior tried to hold up this man for some money, whatever. That's the rumor or whatnot, whatnot or what they said in the DVD, but. They switched to Macho Man and, and, and Mr. Perfect versus um, Ric Flair and Ray Ramon. But on that same card, it was Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. And it wasn't the main event, and Bret Hart was the champion. So Bret Hart also was a smaller wrestler, not really the big guy that we was used to with a Hulk Hogan and still wasn't as muscular as a macho man. But you was trying to get him over by wrestling the likes of Virgil and others for the championship on Superstar. But he wasn't the main event. I mm-hmm. think that's what Kofi is. Kofi is it's good to see Kofi um, be a champ after 11 years. I think um, um, Bret Hart was the champ after almost similar, like eight, nine years of being a tag team or mid-card or even being Cowboy Bret Hart. Um, (laughs) um, So it's the same situation where we have a Kofi who's just older than Bret Hart at this time, where he's he's over, but you still look at a Roman Reigns, you still look at a Brock Lesnar, you still look at some of these other wrestlers with bigger names, and you expect them to have the title. Because we never expected Kofi to have it in the first place. Now he loses the belt. If will he get it back? I'm not so sure. Because Bret Hart loses at WrestleMania 9 and he gets it back the next year at WrestleMania 10 and becomes the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be. I think it's a good feel-good story. But when I look at this title reign, that's what it brings me to Bret Hart's first title reign and how he was still... Guess you could call him the mid-card world champ. Jonathan Hood. Cause all we trying to do is do good. Put on my hood when I walk through hoods. On ESPN 1000. For the first time in 20 years, WWE Survivor Series returns to Chicago. See the best of Raw versus the best of SmackDown live from the Allstate Arena. It all begins with SmackDown Live Friday night. November 22nd, then Saturday, it's NXT TakeOver War Games, followed by Survivor Series on Sunday, November 24th, and finishing with Monday Night Raw on the 25th. Combo and single event tickets are available now at all the Allstate uh, box office, and also uh, Ticketmaster.com. Don't miss your chance to see Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, and many, many more. If you heard that conversation I had with J.R. Bang, there's a lot more if you just download the podcast. Check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's a lot more of that podcast. Subscribe, download, that way you never miss an episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Talk to you Thursday right here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.